What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. How are you now? How are you right now? I'm back in New Brunswick, folks, and uh, that means since I'm out of Montreal, I'm going to be back to regular single episodes after each game. Not going to try to amalgamate any more of them. We'll see what happens when I go to California next week, of course. Maybe I amalgamate one or two. I don't know. Probably not. I'm going to bring my laptop, and we're going to try to record those individually as we normally do, along with an article up on Habs Eyes and the Prize, which I realized for the last two games I did not do, so I apologize for that. Anyways, hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and we are here to talk about your Montreal Canadiens in the final game of their road trip visiting the Columbus Blue Jackets. They got out of the hellscape that is California to which I will be going next week as I mentioned Um, and um, again they somehow managed to escape that with two wins out of three games which is not something that they can do very often. And they got to be back in Montreal tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, to play the Florida Panthers. So you got to figure this is maybe uh, your best chance at a win for the next couple of games because they got the Panthers and they got Detroit uh, and they got the Kraken and they got the Kings again. So their homestand is going to be a rough one. And uh, they, they kind of needed to get themselves a win. So we're going to get to the recap and we'll let you know everything that happened in that game ahead of potentially, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, tonight's game uh, against the Panthers. But first... The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride, the NBA and NHL all hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. Bet Online has available at your fingertips information on both desktop and mobile access anytime for almost any sport that is played, from MMA all the way through to international soccer. So head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And this game, between the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, started. Uh, I would say uneventfully. Uh, the first period was kind of back and forth. Um, the biggest, honestly, the most entertaining thing about that period was at the very beginning of it, somebody tweeted out, I forget who it was, I don't, I don't want to miss giving credit, but I also don't have time to go check. It wasn't me who noticed this, but somebody noticed that there were three Edmonton Oilers scouts at this game. Just so happens, Samuel Montambo starting a net for the Montreal Canadiens, a player that has been linked to the Oilers a few times, apparently the goaltender that they might be the most interested in, in their search for somebody who can actually play well for them between the pipes. 
Anyways, they probably saw what they wanted out of the first period because it was pretty back and forth. I would say um, a little bit of an edge for the Columbus Blue Jackets for sure, but Samuel Montembeau played well. Um, Elvis Merzlikens played well in net for the the Blue Jackets. There was just nothing doing. No score after one period. Um, <clears throat> both teams probably happy with their goaltenders. Habs eh, maybe got edged out there in terms of scoring chances and shots. Definitely got edged out uh, by a fair margin for shot attempts, so they needed to have a better second period, uh, and they certainly gave it to us. Early in the second period, though, we get some four-on-four after a big scrum in the Montreal Canadian zone, and of course, this one ends up hurting the Habs. The Habs an absolute mess coming up the wall in the offensive zone. They can't decide what to do, and for whatever reason, they also decide, as the puck is coming towards their bench, to execute a line change. What happens there? Well, Patrick Laine spots that, just blows by everybody, takes the puck, goes down the ice on a break, and he just barely manages to squeak this one past Samuel Montembeau. It's one nothing for the home Columbus Blue Jackets. A few minutes later, though, Alex Newhook gets a chance on a little break of his own, but he rings it off the post, but they stick with it. That line stays on the ice. They keep working. They hold the zone, and they get another opportunity. It's Caden Gooley taking a pass from Nick Suzuki and shooting it. It gets blocked, but it gets blocked straight back to Alex Newhook on the side of the slot, and he fires it home short side. It's 1-1. The Habs are right back in it, and now they're awake. They're starting to generate some chances, but... They still can't clear their fucking zone. Caden Gooley tries to float one up the middle as he's backing up towards his goaltender, and it gets caught. And two opportunities later, Yegor Chinnikov finishes it off and makes it 2-1 to one for the Blue Jackets. They restore their lead uh, in short order. I mean, it's just constant. How many times have I said this? They're too cute with their zone exits. You can't float pucks up the middle in your own zone. As much as I love Caden Gooley, that was a bad play, and it ends up in the back of his net. However... The Montreal Canadiens get going again after that. We get a really nice breakout pass by Yuri Slavkovsky up the wall, just sends Christian Dvorak on his horse, and he's flying down the ice. He fools Elvis Merzlikens a little bit with a shot. Merzlikens can't handle it, and as he's jumping down to try and cover it up, Dvorak pokes at it. The rebound squeaks over to Cole Caulfield on the other side, and he puts that thing home. It's 2-2. That's your score heading into the third period. I got to say, folks, the Habs really dominated the you know the shot attempts, the scoring chances. They were the far better team in the second period. If Columbus was the better team in the first, it wasn't by a wide margin. The Habs were the better team by a pretty wide margin in the second, for the most part, anyways. And um, you know they're looking like this, they might be able to get a win in this game. We go into the third period, and unfortunately, it kind of goes back to you know a little bit more back and forth it's a lot closer than the second period was in terms of underlying numbers um Gustav Lindstrom took a puck over the glass penalty just before the midway point of the period Samuel Montembeau really had to carry the Habs through that penalty kill and I gotta say those Oilers scouts they got their money's worth if that's what they came to see I think they probably saw what they needed to just in that one penalty kill never mind how well he played in the rest of the game we go all the way down now with back and forth hockey down to a boat just under three minutes to go we get a nice setup here justin Barron has the puck up at the point he kind of just moves off to his left a little bit turns around and finds mike matheson mike matheson claps it on goal and yoel armia standing out front 
gets a piece of it on the way, and it's 3-2 to two for the Montreal Canadiens. The Jackets would pull Elvis Merzlikens for the extra skater, and that did nothing. The Habs actually managed to set up in the offensive zone, despite being uh, fa- despite facing a 6-on-5. And it's Gustav Lindstrom who gets a clapper from the point on the setup on an empty net and makes it 4-2. to two. There's your final. Your Montreal Canadiens win the final game of their road trip, getting 6 of a possible 10 points on their road trip when you go back to that Boston game. So the only two games uh, where they really got outclassed and beaten were, of course, against Boston, expected, and uh, the LA Kings, expected. So not a bad road trip. Um, I I do feel the need to point something out here. We can't celebrate too hard about them beating the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are uh, one of only three teams who are currently below the Montreal Canadiens in terms of points. Um, in the Eastern Conference. Now, to be fair, the Ottawa Senators have five games in hand. I don't know how that's possible. They've played five games less than the Canadians, uh, but they have, so they have you know a lot of racetrack left uh, to make up some ground there. And then there's the Blue Jackets, who are last place in the Metro Division, and the Penguins. Uh, Penguins also have one game in hand, so they could pass Montreal with their next win. Um, oh, actually, the Devils, too. The Devils also only have 21 points, but they got two games in hand. So, um, Again, there's not a whole lot of celebratory activity that should be going on for that win. Um, I I would say that the way they came back after that kind of a bit of a rough first period um, was good. Again, I didn't think Columbus dominated them in the first, but they they were getting the better chances, and the Habs turned that around uh, in the second 60 minutes of the game. So, or sorry, the second 40 minutes of the game. What am I talking about? Uh, so it was a good game from them, and uh, look, that's a good segue, I guess, to player of the game. And for player of the game, I'm going to cheat on this one, folks. It's the entire first line of Alex Newhook, Nick Suzuki, and Brendan Gallagher. I know what you're thinking. Can't you give us just one player of the game, Matt? No, I can't. I got to give you three because it's that entire fucking line was magnificent. Uh, they controlled over 70% of the shot attempts at even strength when they were on the ice. They had an expected goals for of nearly 80%, 79.88. They were 100% dominant over the Blue Jackets. And this is on uh, in, in an away game where you have no control over the matchups or limited control over the matchups anyways. Uh, you don't have last change and uh, they can do kind of whatever they want to get the right matchup out there to try and stop you. And there was nothing that they could do to those three. Nick Suzuki tends to work with most players, right? We know that he works with Cole Caulfield. Uh, they've had to separate that that dynamic duo for, you know, just for absolute need elsewhere in the lineup. And it's been with mixed results so far. This line right here, Newhook, Suzuki, Gallagher... I loved everything about that in that game, and I know, I think everybody is probably screaming about this as they're listening to this, hey, we don't get, want to get too wrapped up in one game, we've seen other line combos work for one or two games and then all of a sudden fall off a cliff, I'm as aware of that as all of you are, and all I'm saying is I loved how that line played so much that I want to see it again tomorrow, uh, I really hope they don't break it up, at the start of the game, they had mentioned that they were sending Josh Anderson out there on the top line. And I think they just did that for the opening faceoff because it was against his old team. I'm not sure, but he didn't play there for the rest of the night. He was on a line with Monaghan and Yoel Armia. So um, I, I, I really hope that that new look top line, 
new hook Suzuki Gallagher let's stick with that for a little while Gallagher's having uh, quite the resurgence this year he's back to being old school Gallagher he can really you know shove himself into the crease he can get there uh, he can create havoc and I think that's a big benefit for new hook and Suzuki it kind of allows them uh, to play around a little bit more they don't have to worry about necessarily getting to the slot uh, they know Gallagher's going to be there so it allows them you know new hook he was kind of hanging around in that higher slot area or off to the left or right of the slot uh, getting some opportunities there um, when he did go and drive the net it was almost like a shock for the Blue Jackets like there was that uh, that chance that I told you about before he got his goal uh, where he kind of drove in there they, nobody covered him he was just wide open and I don't know there's something about that line in that game and again it's the Blue Jackets so you don't want to read too much into it you know put them up against a tougher team and maybe they falter and that's precisely why I'm saying I want to see them go again tomorrow night look you got a much tougher test in Florida it's a back-to-back with travel if they can look any way decent against the Panthers in that second game then I think you you may have found a, a solution at least for the time being so uh, fantastic game from all of them really enjoyed it and uh, look you, you can't ask for better from your top line and I, I know again it's the Jackets so you might say well they should be doing that against that team well they did and as a result you give them another opportunity against a tougher test so great game really great game from the top line and I guess while we're while we're doing this in trios, we might as well just go down the lineup and and talk about the trios. And the next one was the Slavkovsky, Dvorak, and Cole Caulfield trio, which I guess is the de facto second line at this point. Um, they were up and down. All right, they if you look at their underlying numbers, they they don't scream good game, uh, but they did manage to get a goal. There goes Cole Caulfield again, somehow finding a way to create offense in a situation where uh, there wasn't much to go around. Their expected goals for was a a paltry 37.72. So not even 40% compared to the top line at almost 80%. Um, They had numerous swaths of time where they were able to completely hem the Blue Jackets in their own zone. Heavy forecheck. Just frustrating the living shit out of them. But then they also had a complete polar opposite at times where they were hemmed in their own zone. And they just couldn't get it out. They couldn't figure it out. Didn't know where to go with the puck. Um, I think part of it is there's a lack of forward support from those three on the breakout for the defense. I think a lot of the times the the defensemen kind of get hung out to dry behind their own net. The forwards, all three of them, they have a tendency to fly the zone uh, or hang around too high in the zone. They don't give enough options for outlet passes to their defense, so they end up kind of just kicking it back and forth between each other in behind the net, and then that allows the other team to just go, all right, well, if you guys are going to do nothing more than just play ping pong behind your own net, we're going to send the house to come and take it from you and try to generate opportunities for ourselves. So um, it's not that I don't like that line, okay? There's something there, right? You don't, in the second period, there was a point where uh, Dvorak was out there with Slavkowski and Caulfield. They hemmed the Blue Jackets in for over a minute and they nearly scored as well. And when you, there's, there's no way that it, it makes sense to me that you can do that in a game, but then also have those other shifts where you just look lost. It, it's... It's frustrating, and it tells me that there's something there, but they just haven't quite figured it out. If I had my way, I would move Dvorak off of there, and I would try Monaghan on that line tomorrow night. Um, You know, we all know I don't get my way, but sometimes, hey, sometimes I say something on the podcast, and then it happens to happen in the next game or within the next couple of games. So I'm hoping that that's what they do uh, tomorrow. Just flip Monaghan and Dvorak and uh, see what it does. 
you know, you could abandon it halfway through the game if you want. I don't give a shit. I'm just saying try it out because, you know, Caulfield's clearly capable of generating some offense. Uri Slavkovsky actually looked quite good in that game. Christian Dvorak individually looked quite good in that game. All three of them individually had their moments. They also, all three of them individually, had some brain farts. As a line, it just, it predictably followed the trend of how they each looked individually, which was up and down. And, um, you know, I think there's more in them, so I'd, I'd like to see them try it again. But, again, I'd probably flip the centers there. I don't know. I think it might have uh, an impact. Elsewhere, uh, Josh Anderson, again, I mentioned, was playing with Sean Monaghan, Yoel Armia. That line was basically a wash. Yoel Armia got a big goal for them, so, uh, you know, thumbs up to that line overall. Wasn't too bad. And then you had, uh, who was the fourth line? Oh, Tanner Pearson with Jake Evans and Jesse Elanen. Um, again, they were a wash, um, not really generating a ton in terms of opportunities, but also not really giving up uh, tons of opportunities. Their expected goals for it was actually um, over 50%, uh, as was that of the third line. So really, uh, the one problematic line that you had was that second line, although even though they were problematic, they were actually decent in specific periods of that game. Uh, not periods, but specific moments of that game um, where they looked dominant. Uh, or looked at least capable of being dominant. So, um, look, good game from the forward group. I, I think there's a lot that you could learn from it. I think there's some tiny adjustments that you can make going into tomorrow's game and um, see what happens. As for the defense, I, I find it hard to really make a complaint uh, because, again, I think it, it wasn't just the second line. They lack forward support on the breakout, um, but they do look quite panicky. Uh, Mike Matheson had a lot of panicky moments, but he managed two assists in the game. So what am I going to do? Sit here and complain about him? Um, Jaden Struble um, had a few panicky looking moments, but he also made some really nice plays uh, defensively, getting real physical with it. So again, what am I going to do? Sit here and complain about him? Gustav Lindstrom was shockingly uh, inept with the puck at times, but he scored a goal and again made some good defensive plays. What am I going to do? Shit on him? Uh, Johnny Kovacevic was good, uh, or at least not bad. I mean... Justin Barron was good. Caden Gooley had a huge brain fart uh, that that pissed me right off. But again, he also made some really nice plays. What am I going to do? Shit on him? The D was fine in that game. Um, I think the game tomorrow worries me, though, because this was Columbus. You know, you're going against Florida tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think I'm going to reserve judgment on the D until tomorrow. So I'll, I'll stop talking about them for now. And we'll just kick that one into tomorrow. And we'll see what happens there. And what more I might have to say about those players. I thought they were fine in this game. They were fine. They got production from them again. Uh, which is something that's been key for the Habs whenever they do win this season. So a uh, good game from the D as well. And the last thought that I have on this game really is uh, Samuel Montembeau, man. Again, three Oilers scouts in the building. He made some really nice saves. He looked poised in there. He was tracking the puck well. Um, he even had uh, a save that he made in, I want to say, the third period. I'd have to go back and check. Um, I, there's actually a highlight of it up on my Twitter if you if you want to see it. Somebody threw the puck into the slot, and he just got the flipper out on it, just pad kicked it out. And uh, before it even got to the intended recipient of the pass, it was like one of those shot passes where they were trying to shoot it down diagonally into the slot uh, to the back door and try to get somebody to knock it in. And he recognized that right away and just got the flipper on it. Like, again, if those Oilers scouts were there to look at him, they must have seen what they needed to see. The Oilers don't have anybody nearly 
as poised in the net as Samuel Montembeau is on a night-in, night-out basis. And is he a bona fide number one goalie in the NHL? I think that's still being explored, but it's being explored by the Montreal Canadiens. Is he a bona fide number one goaltender on the Edmonton Oilers? Ab-so-fucking-lutely. They do not have anybody as good as him. So that's not really the question that they need to ask. Is he a bona fide NHL goaltender? Is is he better than everybody that we have right now? And the answer is yes. And the words of my good buddy Jared Book, if you're asking yourself, which goaltender do I trade? The answer is trade the one that gets you the best return. If Samuel Montembeau is the goaltender that gets the best return right now, then they have to make that move. So I don't know. This very well could have been his last game in a Montreal Canadiens uniform because I could see you know, a trio of Oilers scouts heading back to Edmonton, putting together a presentation to say, hey, listen, boss, we need you to pay whatever Kent Hughes asks for. If he asks you for your firstborn child, send that guy to Montreal tomorrow. I mean, the Oilers are unbelievably gifted in the forward department. They're flawed on the back end in terms of defense, but I think passable. I think they can they can make a season out of it with what they've got. They did it last year. But their goaltending situation is a nightmare. They're desperate. Kent Hughes, he's going to take advantage of a team that's desperate. And um, look, I think a lot of us have probably watched enough games this year to say, hey, we might he might be the like third on the list of goaltenders that we want to trade. The other two, Ken Brimo and, and Jay Gallen, might be higher up. Uh, for a lot of us in terms of who we want to trade. But again, I'm going to go back to the quote from my buddy Jared Book. Trade the one that gets you the best return. And right now, I think it's probably him. I don't think it's a coincidence that he started in this game instead of starting tomorrow against Florida because there were three Oilers scouts in the building. So uh, I'm going to leave it at that. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days or maybe after the Florida game. I don't think they're going to trade anybody in between uh, back-to-back with travel. That would be pretty ridiculous. But... Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Mike Camilleri got traded in the middle of a period. So, um, what are we running? I'm going to cut it off there. We're running uh, over 21 minutes. So, c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Um, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. À la prochaine.